The following message is from the 2017 IBCD Institute, Addictions, Grace for the Journey. My name is Elise Fitzpatrick, and what we're going to talk about today is addiction to shiny things, why and how to find freedom in the age of the internet. So what I have here is a basket, and I'm going to ask you a question. And the question is, how many of you are right now waiting for like an, a phone call, an emergency? You're like concerned. You've got to have your you're concerned that you might get a call while you're sitting in here. Anybody? Anybody? Sound like Ferris Bueller, right? Anybody? <laughs> Put your cell phone in here now. Pass it around. And it'll end up in the back with Joel. He'll be the keeper of your phones. Don't anybody, don't anybody fudge and don't put it in. Turn off, turn off whatever it is. I am on call. Okay, very good. You may keep yours. You have a special dispensation. <laughs> yes, you may too. You have a zillion children, so you may as well. Are you going to have my credit card in there? I, 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 no, I don't want you to do that because I don't want to be responsible. So just put it somewhere away from you, far away, far, far away. Yeah, right? Don't, don't anybody drop them. If you're just coming in now, what we're doing is taking a cell phone offering. Everybody's putting their cell phones in the basket. This, this, is, a, this is an electronics-free zone right now. Joel, my trusted assistant and son. I won't let my grandchildren know the... Uh, password for my cell phone because then they take pictures of things they shouldn't take pictures of and post them all over my cell phone. Okay. Okay. Hi, Patty. Got a cell phone on you? No cell phone? Do you have one? Yeah. Put it in that basket back there. This is an electronics free zone. Yeah, go do it now. Do it now. Yes, you do. Are you waiting for an emergency call from someone? God sees. Okay. I trust you. All right, now I want to ask you all, all y'all, how did that make you feel? Right? For some of you, all right, everybody who's coming in, there's a cell phone basket right there. Cell phones go in the basket. Everybody's phone goes in the basket right there with the nice gentleman in the back. Right there, in the basket. He's a pastor. He's a pastor. He won't take your phone. Take. All right. Cell phone in the basket, please. <laughs> It's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm leaving. 
person? All right. Do you get it? Yes. See, we can talk about addictions to shiny things. But there's not a person who has a smartphone in this room who doesn't panic a tiny little bit if you think you're going to be disconnected, right? Now, there are reasons to have them. You know, my friend here has seven children, bless her. And so she has a babysitter, and she needs to be connected. But my children are all gone. <laughs> and and t this morning, when I was in Charlie, I, I was listening to Charlie Hodges uh, speak, and I was in the classroom, and I for some reason thought I needed to check my phone. You get that, right? Got to check. And, um, and it wasn't in my purse. Well, so then I'm sitting on the front row, and I can't get up and run out in terror, like, where's my phone? So I had to sit there during the whole thing. And the whole time, I'm not even listening. I'm like, <laughs> Well, fortunately, may God be praised forever, um, someone had found it and where I left it by the coffee and turned it in. <laughs> Speaking of addictions. <clears throat> you get what I'm saying? We are living at a time right now when people who are who generally try to stay free from addictions, and I will say to you, I don't drink caffeine for that very reason. I'm not saying like I'm all good and you're all bad. If you drink caffeine, drink caffeine, whatever. I don't drink caffeine because I was at a conference about 10 years ago, and uh, it was about 7 or 8 o'clock at night, and I had this major headache. You know the headache? Yeah. And I said, what is this headache? This is terrible. And I thought, it's caffeine. And I stopped drinking caffeine. Mm. Now, not at the conference <laughs> later. <clears throat> I'm not crazy. <laughs> All right, so we are at a time now which is, uh, there is this technological explosion which is really in the history of the world, and I know that that's like a really grandiose statement, but in the history of the world, there have been very few things that have changed the entire world and everyone in it the way that technology is changing us right now. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. In the basket, yes. So here's a very brief history of the world of new, scary technologies. Now I'm going to read you a quote, and I want you to try to guess what this quote is about. No cheating by looking at the end of your notes or anything like that. Here's the quote. Those who acquire X will cease to exercise their memory and become forgetful. 
They will rely on X to bring things to their remembrance by external signs instead of by their own internal resources. And as for wisdom, your pupils will have the reputation for it without the reality. They will receive a quantity of information without proper instruction and in consequence be thought very knowledgeable when they are, for the most part, quite ignorant. Now, what does that sound like? Sounds like the Internet, doesn't it? Does it sound like the Internet to you? Yes. Do you know what it actually is? Yeah, say it again. The written word. That was written uh, hundreds, thousands of years ago um, by Plato. Not Plato, Plato. <laughs> I'm a mom, Plato. By Plato, because he had concern about the written word. So to start off, concern about new technologies is nothing new. Okay? And is part of what he said true? In other words, if you have stuff written down in a book and you haven't actually spent time talking with people about whatever that happens to be, you might have information without really having a full-orbed wisdom about it. Right? But would any of you say we should get rid of books? No. Of course we wouldn't say that. But that's the way it was originally thought about. So think about these things. And I'm sorry, they're all printed out on your notes. I didn't mean for them to be, but they are. So here we go. The, the written word. And what about the wheel and the domestication of the horse? Oh, the wheel's just going to ruin everything. <laughs> or metals, or the printing press. You know, when the printing press was first invented, it's kind of interesting, when Gutenberg first put together the printing press, he was doing it really in service of the Roman Catholic Church. Well, then what happened? <laughs> the Reformation, because of the written word, and the Roman Catholic Church goes through the Protestant Reformation. See, we don't really know when, when a technology, which is actually a good technology, I mean, all of us are happy for a Gutenberg printing press, but we don't know how that technology is going to play out. And it actually may play out in ways quite opposite than what we hope or expect. The compass. Well, who even needs a compass anymore, right? Because we have GPS. <laughs> I personally am very thankful for Google Maps, or whatever kind of map that it is that I use, because I can't read a map. So I don't even need to try to learn to read a map now. I swear to you, I will sit like, you remember the Thomas Guide maps, right? So Phil and I will be driving along in the car, and he'll say, what direction am I supposed to turn? And I take the map, and I'm trying to turn it like this. I don't know what direction are we going. I can't tell. That, that's me. So I'm really happy for that technology. But what will happen if no one, none of us know how to read a map? Well, is that a good thing, or do we even need to know how to read a map? 
what about magnifying glasses? I mean, I'm happy for magnifying glasses. All you, all y'all wearing glasses. I mean, I'm really happy for them. That are, that's a good thing. Or paper currency. You know, that's you know, ten years from now. <laughs> I mean, who even writes a check anymore? It's all gone. Gone. And pretty soon you won't even really have credit cards. You'll just have your device, which you actually have now, and you just go by and scan it. And then pretty soon they'll have these little retina scanners, and then you're done. Well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I don't know. It may be a good thing, but then it may turn out to have consequences. We don't know what they are yet. Right? Or the steam engine. It's like yay for the steam engine, except of course if you're American Indian. <laughs> so is the steam engine a good thing? Well, yeah. <laughs> or electricity, or the telegraph, or telephone, or tele, you know, who even cares about the telegraph, or, you know, who, who even has landlines anymore? I mean, some people do. But I think that my son's generation, nobody has landlines. Can I tell you that in China, no one has a landline. It's all cell phones, because there's too many people to run all that cable. Um, my guess is that in probably 10 years, except for sports and some news, there won't even be anything besides streaming services. You just, I mean, why bother? It's all changing really fast, isn't it? Are we thankful for antibiotics? Yeah, we are. We're really thankful for antibiotics. But what about maybe there are some unintended consequences with antibiotics? I recently had a really hideous bacterial infection in my sinuses. And I was given an antibiotic, then I was told, while you're on this antibiotic, you may not do any exercise at all, because if you do, you'll blow a tendon. Well, so the antibiotic is good, and it killed the Pseudomonas bacteria, but it's actually also bad, because it's going to wreck my tendons. So it's good, and it's bad. And I mean, computers. How many of you have a computer in your house? Raise your hand. Yeah. And how many of you have more than one computer? I mean, seriously, I, everyone in the room, not counting your cell phone, which has more computing power than computers did five years ago. It's shocking, right? And then there are people, well, I'll get to that later. Okay. <clears throat> The internet has changed. Oh, what happened? Did I do something bad? Okay. <laughs> Technology. <laughs> the internet has changed and will continue to change each of those technologies that we talked about. Who needs a compass or clock or paper currency? Who needs to travel anywhere when there's virtual reality? Who needs a telegraph or a landline or a television when you have your phone? I travel, so I have, I have my streaming services on my phone. So I can watch my phone. How many of you, how many of you have an e-reader, an electronic reader, right? 
See, people like, they like the feel, we like the feel of pages, but my grandchildren go to an Apple school. And you know what the gig is at the Apple school? They all have iPods, I mean iPads. And do they have textbooks? Yeah, most of it is just all on iPads. So when they grow up, they're not gonna, that lovely feel of paper, that, you know, and I walk into a bookstore and I go, oh, I love this, that. They don't know anything about that and they won't care at all. <clears throat> Who needs a computer when you have a smartphone? Okay, so I'm gonna give you some statistics just to blow your brain out. <clears throat> Where we've come in the last 20 years, and that's why I'm saying we're in a very significant time in the history of humanity and technology. In the last 20 years, where we have come, to be hooked up to the crowd is a very particular and peculiar way to go through life. There are six billion cell phone subscriptions in the world. Do you know how many people there are in the world? Seven, between seven and eight. Billion. Billion. Now that's got to say something, right? It certainly should say something about how we approach the gospel and give it. The number of apps for smartphones, there are 8 million apps for smartphones. Hmm. That's astonishing, right? There are 2 million blogs written a day. You're not going to keep up with every, what everybody's blogging. There are 1 billion website, websites. 1 billion websites. The number of Google searches per day, 3.5 billion. Don't think for a minute that Google isn't like mm, the powerhouse of technology. Here's one that you're gonna love, ready? The number of hours spent before a screen every day, 10. Now. You understand what I'm saying. Not just in front of your smartphone, in front of your computer, in front of your television, every place where you're in front of a screen, the average number of hours people spend in front of a screen is 10. Okay, so like me, I'm a writer, so I have my laptop, so I'm in front of that screen, and then, I'm in, and then I watch television, and I'm in front of that screen, and then I'm on my, listen, while I'm watching television, my husband is a Padre lover, right? So he watches the Padres, and while he's watching the Padres, I'm surfing the web on my phone. 10 hours a day. That does something, by the way, to your brain, and we're gonna talk about that. It does something uh, with the way your brain is wired. Okay. Uh, the number of hours spent in front of television, five. Well, especially, you know, if uh, Netflix releases some really great something I wanna binge watch. <laughs> Sorry. The number of Netflix streaming subscriptions, 99 million people 
watch Netflix. I'm one of them. Okay? You know why? Because I'm not going to watch commercials. So I wait until whatever it is I want to watch is already through its season, and then it gets put up on Netflix or on Amazon Prime, and I watch it there without commercials. So it's all about my convenience, my time, accessibility, very, see, it's like I don't have to wait for anything anymore. It's just all right here. The number of cable TV subscribers, now this is interesting. There's 110 million cable TV subscribers, but that's falling drastically. You get that, right? Cable TV is gonna go away. 15 years from now, no cable TV. There will be internet, but no cable TV, because everybody will just stream whatever they want. You can stream your shows now without having to actually go through cable television. It's gonna go away. And it's expensive. Especially compared to streets. Right. It's so, it's so expensive. All right? <clears throat> the, the percentage of e-sales is, this is actually sort of low, is only 8.5%, but it's growing exponentially. I will be honest with you, if I can find something on Amazon, and I know it's going to be there tomorrow or the day after, and I don't have to go to the store, booyah. Right? Buy with one click, which is why Jeff Bezos is closing in on, if he's not already, the richest man in the world. Jeff Bezos owns Amazon. Now, Amazon has cut the heart out of the publishing industry, which I ought to hate <laughs> Jeff Bezos, but. I like the convenience, do you get that? I like having it just right here. So if somebody in my house says, oh, I wish I had something, or I'm out of something, or whatever, and I can buy it instantly with one click, boop, done. Yeah, and they ship it to the house tomorrow. But actually, what ha happens to me in my house now is my stuff gets stolen off my front porch. Well, that works as well. All right. <laughs> Number of emails sent per day, 205 million. Oh, excuse me, billion. Number of text messages per day, 20 billion texts. <laughs> Number of social media sites, 8 mil. Is, are you being like overwhelmed by this? Yeah. Is this like shocking? This is a revolution, a, a worldwide global revolution. <clears throat> Number of social media users, 6.7 billion Facebook has over a billion users. That's kind of that's creepy, isn't it? Here's one my grandchildren will hate. Time spent online gaming. Three billion hours a week worldwide. Playing games. They're gamers. They play games. What are you doing? Gaming? Playing game? Here's another one. Photos taken per year. 14 trillion. <laughs> 
Can I tell you that last year, more photographs were taken in one year than had been taken in the entire history of photography up until that point? I don't know the statistic, but any number of people have died taking selfies. It's like, I'm on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Back up a little, I'm gonna get the camera there. <laughs> Photos shared per day, 3.5 million every day. Now, you know, this tells us something. We're into communication. We're into sort of sharing our lives, but we're doing it sort of at our convenience and from a safe distance. Right? Nobody sits around with grandma, <laughs> that would be me, nobody sits around with grandma and goes through photo albums anymore. Who does that? It's like Jim Gaffigan or Brian Reagan, one of them, one of them has this big routine he does, this big joke about, you know, the only reason he gets a new computer is because his old computer is all full of pictures now. It's how he uses his computers, wait for pictures. All right, get it? All of this has happened in just the last 20 years. Three things should be obvious. We have no idea at all where we're going. Have no idea where we're headed with this technology. There's absolutely no way to keep up with the technology, right? You're not gonna keep up with it. Now, I read a book called What Falls from the Sky, which is actually a really lovely book about a woman who, dis who disconnected herself from the internet, but, and it's a good book, but she ended up living in a yurt. You know what a yurt is? It's like this sort of mm, tent kind of thing completely off the grid. All right, I don't want to live in a yurt. I'm not into yurt living. But that, it, she was terrified by what was happening to she and her family because of all this technology. Whatever this new, wherever this new technology is taking us, we're going there whether we want to or not. So you can go live in a yurt if you want to do that, but I'm telling you, this is the direction we're going and nobody's going to stop it. Why is nobody going to stop it? I have one little phrase that I always use, and the phrase is, follow the money. It's too much cash. Way too much money to shut this puppy down. And nobody really cares. And besides that, it's convenient. It's fun. Why not? It doesn't hurt anybody, does it? <clears throat> and we won't even discuss artificial intelligence. Depending on who you listen to, AI will either be our destruction or our savior. But most people agree that it's coming and nothing will stop it. Elon Musk, who I, okay, Elon Musk and Bill Gates and Stephen Hawking, three technological brainiacs, are all concerned about a future run amok with AI. They're all three of them concerned. But you know what, you can be as concerned as you wanna be it doesn't matter. It's going to come. And probably a lot sooner than you think. So here are some questions. Isn't technology neutral? Every technology is both a burden and a blessing. Listen, I mean, I've written enough books that I'm really happy for Google. I mean, I want to Google statistics. 
What is, you know, I mean, how long would that have taken me if it weren't that I had Google? But, you know, takes me four or five minutes. Bing, bing, bing. It's so convenient and easy. Hmm. Every technology is both a burden and a blessing, not either or, but this and that. Isn't it adiaphora? And adiaphora is a really lovely word that sort of means neutral, gray. So don't want to say it's bad, don't want to say it's good. It's, it's neutral or, or is it? <coughs> Once we admit, welcome in, a technology, it plays out its hand, it does what it's designed to do. And we have welcomed the internet. We've welcomed it, and I'm not going to stand up here saying to you, I'm not a Luddite, and I'll talk to you about who those people were. I'm not a Luddite. I'm not going to say to you, the internet all bad. I enjoy the internet. I like having a cell phone. I like being able to put in an address and have the phone tell me how to get there. Now, is that robbing? me of some things. Yes, probably the ability to read a map, but it's also stopping me from getting lost when it works. <laughs> now the Luddites were a, a group of people in, eight, in the 1800s in England, in the UK, who tried to stop the manufacturers from using mechanical looms. You know, a loom to make like fabrics? And they would go into um, factories and try to break the looms. They were the Luddites, Luddites. but it, did it work? No. You're, you're not, I don't care who you are, unless you go live in a yurt, you're, you're done. This is over. We're, we're, we are people of the internet. How will it play out? Well, I know some ways that are bad and some ways that are good. Well, isn't technology neutral? Well, maybe. We become addicted to the possibility of communicating with and being tapped on the shoulder by six billion people 24 hours a day. Just sort of this. Right? That's what your phone does to you. You know that. Just taps you on the shoulder. And if you put it on so it just vibrates, you get to the place where you can hear the vibrate. It's tapping. And you th what do you think when you feel that? I gotta turn around and look at it. I gotta see, I gotta see. And we'll talk about why. <clears throat> so, everything can be addictive, but aren't there some things that are more so by nature? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not easy for me to be addicted to uh, high stakes gambling because I actually don't have any money. And uh, I, you know, it's not something I would do. But this, this is convenient. It has loads of benefits, and it's ubiquitous. You know what that word means? It everywhere. The internet change, and also, and this is so important, they're doing so much good research about this. The internet changes the way the neurons in our brain are wired. We're losing the ability to think deeply because of distractions. Now let me ask you something. Are you finding it more, more or less difficult to concentrate? 
The more time you spend in front of a shiny thing, the more difficult it will be for you to corral your thoughts and concentrate. And that's because of what's happening in the wiring in your brain. You're making what my mother-in-law used to call a crease in your brain. It's a pathway that you're used to. So you're reading, let's say my grandchildren who go to an Apple school and have books on their iPads. They're reading about Nigeria. And on their iPad, there are words, but there's also a place where they can click a link that takes them to a picture of Nigeria. And then from there, they can click a link that takes them to a map. And then from there, they can click a link that takes them to pictures of Nigerian people. Now, you would think that that would be a good way to learn, but it's actually a very poor way to learn. They've actually done studies of children who read the same stuff on an iPad with all those exciting, wonderful links, and children who read the same thing on a printed page. The people on the printed page two days later remembered what they read. The people on the iPad did not. Don't be surprised if you have trouble concentrating. When you're being distracted nonstop, you're losing the ability. See, but I sound like Plato, don't I? <laughs> We're becoming more and more dependent and distracted. But then no worries, because there's going to be a robot for whatever you need soon. Really? Literally a robot that takes, can take food to your... Yeah. We just saw it. Yeah. They put it in the robot and it goes to your room. It's so cool, right? Right? It's did cool. you, we did you, tonight. yeah, yeah, right? So did you, did you hate it and say, oh, no, oh, robot? No, you're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, right. All right, so let's talk about the hallmarks of addiction. Any activity, substance, object, or behavior that has become the major focus of a person's life. I'm thinking if I spend 10 hours in front of it, it might be the major focus of my life. And I'm, you know, I don't want to just jump to conclusions. To the exclusion of other activities, or that has become to harm the individual, has begun to harm the individual or others physically, mentally, socially, is considered an addictive behavior. And any kind of panic that you felt when I said, put your phone in that basket, that should tell you something. It was the panic I felt today. I'm not standing here throwing stones at you. My phone was missing, and I was flipping. It's like, I've my whole life. Yeah. All right, so what are some of the hallmarks of addiction? Well, satisfaction and lostness. So I got my phone, and I had it in my hand, and it's all working good, and I got good connectivity, and everything is all really good, and I feel really satisfied. I'm safe, right? Not worried. And I lose my phone, or somebody takes it away, or worse yet, steals it. I mean, it's like the world has come to an end. Hmm. Or habitual craving for more. Did you ever just get a better phone because a better phone was offered? And you didn't really need one? Hmm. And can I say something here? Don't think for a minute 
that technology companies don't know the craving in your heart for more. Oh, look, the iPhone 7 has a bigger screen. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. uh, hallmarks of addiction, self-deception. Well, it's not really a problem for me. <clears throat> I mean, it's a problem for all y'all, but it's not a problem for me, because I mean, you know, I just use it for work. And then I just use it while Phil's watching the Padres. And then I just use it in the middle of the night when I can't sleep. And then I just use it in the, right? Or secrecy. Do you ever sort of like looking at your phone? You know, you like you're at dinner. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't. That. Hmm. With screens, the problem is the crowd itself. So it's this siren call. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Don't miss out. I've got something. Look over here. <laughs> it's that siren call 24 hours a day from 6 billion people. Oh, the crowd itself is powerful and we're drawn to it because we are people created in the image of God who love to be with people. See, but what I really like is to be with you but not have to spend any time with you. <laughs> right? So I'm going to post stuff on Facebook and then you're going <laughs> to think I'm really cool. And, but I don't actually have to really talk, talk to you. I mean, I might actually have to talk to you, and then you'll know what an idiot I am. So I'd rather just post pictures of myself looking great. Nope. Yeah, no, no. Sometime, take a picture of a, of a sink full of dishes, and your children running around like the jittering, gettering demoniac, and post that. Say, you know, too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> post that. <laughs> Do you see what it is? It's this voyeurism. I mean, reading other people's mail, wasn't that always considered voyeuristic? Yes. It's voyeurism coupled with exhibitionism in front of six billion people. So I have all of these online relationships, and maybe they're not weird or anything, but, you know, oh, yeah, there's old Uncle So-and-so. I got a relationship with him, where in reality I haven't actually talked to him in 13 years. But it's okay, because I know what he's doing. He just went to London. Doesn't that strike you as odd? But, you know, are you going to stop it? No. So what can we do? Um, you can unplug. You can go live in a yurt. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a really good thing for a gospel people to do. Because hmm. it seems to me that gospel people need to be around people. So you can unplug. You can change your devices. And I know guys who've done this. You can change your devices so that they're not so smart or attractive. So get like a cricket flip phone or something, right? So if people need to get a hold of you in an emergency, they can. I mean, how did we used to reach people 20 years ago? 
I remember when my kids were growing up, the first time they started wearing pagers. Yeah. Right? Because I wanted to be able to get a hold of them. But before that, it was like, find a payphone and call me. Hmm. So uh, you can change your, um, your devices. You know, the, dev the device itself is meant to be really attractive. It's meant to fit in your hand. Don't think that people don't get paid zillions of dollars to make a device that when you put it in your hand, it feels good. So on every level, and I look at it, and it's got these colors. It's shiny. I can look at it and I can think, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really with it. I'm not actually a 66-year-old grandma. I'm actually cool. See what it says? Or some people do that. And actually, I know guys, our friend Paul, who got rid of his smartphone because he just didn't want to have it around him. And he knew what it was doing. It was distracting him, and it was tempting him. So now he has a stupid phone. See, even what we're calling it makes you want it, right? So now you just got a phone, and what does it do? It just, you can call people on it. <laughs> well, that's boring. <laughs> you can unplug for specific and regular periods of time. Now, this, I think, is a really good idea. So take a Sabbath. One of the books that I read, one of the things that they did uh, was on Saturday night, Saturday evening, they unplugged the internet from the house. <laughs> unplugged the internet from the house so that nobody's, in, in, no, nothing worked, and the people actually had to interact <laughs> Unplug the internet from the house and then Sunday night plug it back in. I mean, you can do that. Take a Sabbath. I mean, your brain kind of needs a rest, right? Uh, so that's uh, something you could do. Uh, you can unplug from certain uses for a season or permanently. So social media. I know my son Joel goes off social media from time to time. It's like, okay, this is out of control, now I'm done. Just done. Facebook, I mean, how much time, really? Facebook, really? Mm. Or gaming, or texting, or streaming. I'm not willing to give that up yet. <laughs> Designate certain places as connectivity-free zones, like church. I was, just, I was just explaining to Joel how, first of all, when I, the church that I go to, we project the words to the text up on a screen. And then if they reference any other uh, passage which is not projected up on a screen, I have my cell phone. I haven't had to look up a verse in the Bible in probably a year. I'm thinking that's probably not a good thing. I mean, what happened to the days when the pastor would say, today we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's all turn in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5. I mean, do you remember that? 
And I, isn't there something to be said for actually knowing the order of the books of the Bible? I mean, I don't hardly know them anymore. Why? Because I don't, I just swipe right. Swipe right, swipe right, click. Hmm. So maybe church should be a connectivity zone, but I'll tell you what, almost every church is Wi-Fi wired now. Because the peeps, they can't stand to be disconnected. Or the dinner table. Do you have rules like that? No technology at the dinner table at all. Well, that's assuming, of course, that you get kids to a dinner table. No technology at the dinner table at all, at all, or in the bedroom. No technology in the bedroom, period. Boom, done. Well, I have technology in the bedroom because I sort of struggle with insomnia. And so sometimes at night, I listen to podcasts. Is that good or bad? Uh, how about this for a novel idea? Purposefully engaging with people without connectivity. Oh, sitting down and having a conversation. But that means that I actually have to listen to you. And what if you're boring? <laughs> or you have bad breath. <laughs> right? Or you want to talk to me about something I don't want to talk about. Hmm. Uh, purposefully engaging in thought, meditation, and prayer without any electronics at all. Praying with it. You know, you can get prayer apps. I have an app on my phone that helps me memorize scripture. Well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's probably a good thing. But, you know, when I'm there sitting around messing with my phone trying to memorize scripture, and then a text pops up. I'm like, oh, squirrel. <laughs> so why should we disconnect? I'm saying, yeah, let's consider disconnecting somewhat. All right? I mean, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not going to say disconnect, throw all your phones. Joel, take your phones and throw them off the roof. I'm not saying that. But let's have this conversation. And let's not just say, oh, it's, it's the teenagers. Are the teenagers addicted? You bet they are. But, I mean, they're growing up in a paperless world. And what will that do to their brains 15 years from now? Or the way they process problems. I can't stop it. But let's, it's not just them, friends. It's us. So why should we consider <coughs> cutting down, at least? Well, so for the love of God and the love of neighbor. The law says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And the second, just like it, you shall love your neighbor the way you already love yourself. And these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So... For the love of God, then, I don't, I, I, I want to think carefully about the technologies I allow in my life and the power that they have in my life. So why? 
Well, you know, this is what I know. If I'm sitting down to have dinner with you and you're on your phone, you're making a statement. Yeah. What's the statement? I don't, really, I, I don't really want to spend time with you. Isn't that what it says? So, love of neighbor. You know, how many times could I have spent time praying or meditating on scripture or Christ, and instead I'm reading some inane blog that I'm going to forget tomorrow? Okay. So, Paul, and this, of course, isn't about technology. <laughs> it's about, you know, uh, eating food offered to idols or um, first, uh, first Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for me. Can I have a cell phone? Absolutely. All things are, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I won't be dominated by anything. And that's why I collected your cell phones, because I wanted you to feel that. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Well, technology is helpful sometimes in some ways. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Am I being built up as a Christian, as a human being, as a person who is called by vocation to love my neighbor? Am I being built up in that, or am I becoming, in essence, more and more selfish? wanting instant gratification for whatever it is that happens to cross my mind. Have you ever gone, have you ever like picked up your phone and thought, I'm going to do X, but then by the time you get around to actually doing it, you forgot what you were going to do? Okay, that, that distractedness. That is a byproduct of spending time on the internet. Distraction. Okay, so then what do I need to remember? I need to remember the gospel. Everything you actually need has been given to you in Christ. So do you actually need a cell phone? No, listen, <laughs> up until 10 years ago, people survived quite well without them. You don't actually need one. Am I telling you to cancel your cell phone subscriptions? No, just think about it. You know what FOMO is? FOMO? Fear of missing out. FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. You take, you take electronics away from an 18, 19, 16-year-old, they're experiencing FOMO. I might miss out. Well, let me tell you something. You're always going to miss out because there's way too much information for you to process. But you're afraid you might miss out from something that somebody you care about, this fear of missing out. I'm afraid of being unreachable. You know, like, mm, somebody might need to get a hold of me. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been, like, disconnected? You're going to get your phones, and you're going to look, because you're going to see if somebody was trying to reach you. <laughs> and you know what? Most of the time, nobody was. <laughs> <laughs> So in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything you need, you already have. Our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. All, you, all the love you need is given to you in Christ. See, this whole I need to see who likes and doesn't like me, that, that like thing 
on Facebook is from the devil. <laughs> because it's not true relationship. It's not real likes. <laughs> and getting in a Twitter war with somebody, I mean, it's absurd. Mm. Yeah, I'm on your side. Why? Did anybody ever really solve any problems by tweeting at each other? Mm. So he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. What does that word mean? Don't Google it because you don't have your phones. <laughs> yeah, substitute, wrath bearer. He bore away all God's wrath. You don't need to worry about who likes you and doesn't like you because the only person in all of creation whose opinion actually counts has said he loves you. You don't need their likes. Have you ever Googled yourself? I have a friend who Googled herself last week and was horrified to find out that there was actually a whole website making fun of her. Mm. You know that part in um, Chronicles of Narnia, and I think Lucy is on a train, maybe in The Magician's Nephew, and she's reading a magic book, and she sees a friend of hers who is talking bad about her, and Aslan says, Aslan says, no, she's just weak. She's really still your friend. It's not a good idea for you to know what everybody thinks of you. But see, the internet gives that to you in spades. And then you get addicted to it. Uh, you can face the realities of your life without the false comforts of distractions. I want to say to you that I'm thinking probably mm, before the Industrial Revolution, let's say, mm, several hundred years ago, nobody sat around, nobody sat around and said, I'm really afraid of boredom. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, if you're living in the Sudan and you're trying to figure out where you're going to get a water bottle, you're not worried about boredom. Boredom is the number one fear of young people. I'm afraid I'm going to be bored. Don't ever underestimate the power of boredom. I'm afraid what my life of what my life actually looks like. I mean, maybe I am actually a 66-year-old loser. But if people on the internet tell me I'm cool, then I probably really am. <laughs> I'm afraid of being left behind. Well, maybe these 6 billion people are going to get something really, really fun and cool, and they're going to move off, and I'm going to be left here all alone. Fear of missing out. Fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Speaking of God, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You got everything you need. You really don't need your phone. You've been sold a bill of goods. You really have. Uh, you can live at peace. See, 
All things are mine, and I am Christ, and Christ is God's, so I don't need to look at Facebook and see who likes me. All things are yours, whether the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. You're secure. <clears throat> you can face the scary emptiness and vulnerability of one-on-one on one with God or your neighbor. You can face that. It's okay. You'll be all right. Sit down and have a conversation. You can actually do that. What if they see me as I am? See, virtual reality is another fig leaf. It's just another way for me to cover up my shame, my feeling that maybe I'm not who you think I am. So I'm going to project an image which is crafted to make you think I'm someone else. So I will hope you like me. But the problem is, it's never good enough. It's too scary. What will I say if I have to actually interact with somebody? My husband, and my son will testify this, my husband is the king of chatting people up. I mean, he can carry on a conversation with anybody. I don't do a very good job of that. So I go to the grocery store and Phil will chat up the checker and everybody, and I'm like, why are you talking to this person? I, I get so nervous when I have to actually talk to people. Now, not in a group, but like one-on-one, -on -one, it drives me nuts. What if they don't like me? What if I can't edit myself and I look stupid? See, that's what's really, really great about texting or sending emails or posting because before I put it up there I can read it three or four times and make sure it says what I want it to say so you will think I'm what I want you to think it's so false here's the good news brothers and sisters you are loved you are forgiven you are welcomed you are justified what does justification mean? Do it every single time. What does justification mean? Just as if I never, just as if I always, that's who you are. So then really, there's six billion people. And as um, one of the Puritans said, why do you care about the opinion of man? All he is is breathing dirt. <laughs> hmm. So, you can face joys and sorrows of a real life rather than a virtual one and know the enrichment of love in a sin-cursed world. You need the church. You can face your brothers and sisters knowing that you're one of them. You are deeply flawed yet deeply loved. Yay! Right? That's good news. You're deeply flawed, as am I, yet you're deeply loved. Hooray! I can stop pretending. You can uh, discover the joy of face-to-face -face human communication and the sorrows of face-to-face -face conflict. See, if, if your whole world is constructed in this virtual reality, if somebody is in a conflict with you, you can just check out. You don't know how to handle conflict, you know, unless you want to tweet about them. So 
shiny things. Where will we be in 20 years? Uh, where we are right now in God's hands. So is the internet wonderful? Sure, yeah. Because we can pipe the gospel into places that you couldn't get. It's a wonderful thing. And is it a terrible thing? Yes, it is. But whatever it is, we're going there. So let's try to do that perhaps a little more thoughtfully. God has put all things under Jesus' feet. So the internet is under Christ's feet right now. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will, be, will also be subject, subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. And that's where we're going. God's going to be all in all. And if there's AI, then, you know, artificial intelligence, then there is. And will somehow God will build his kingdom. God will build his kingdom. And Jesus is king. But then let's be thoughtful. Father, we thank you for the time we've had together. Thank you for this whole day, Lord, for the way that... You've spoken through so many people to help us as we struggle with our own problems and uh, even our own personal addictions. I pray that you would grant us uh, a restful evening and uh, bless the speakers tonight and help us, Lord, to take to heart, not just to give to other people, but also to take to heart the fact that we are loved and forgiven and justified and that we can spread that great good news everywhere. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Copyright 2017, IBCD, all rights reserved. More free resources are available at www.ibcd.org.